Lectionary Lab Live is recorded by Two Bubbas and a Bible live from Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome, everybody, to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my Bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man. It is right fine to hear you today. Looking forward to getting up with you, talking a little bit about some preaching here. We have arrived. Holy Week is upon us, and today we need to be talking about Palm Sunday slash... Passion Sunday kind of depends on, uh, you know, the direction you need to take, which is what we're going to talk about. But uh, these are the texts and the thoughts for April the 2nd, 2023, beginning of Holy Week. Well, that, so, that means... For, yeah, jump in there, me, Bubba. Let me first of all admit I spent too many years in my early ministry uh, not really thinking through what I was doing. <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of at 23 hit the ground running. I was in yeah. seminary at the same time yeah. and at a little multi-point circuit. And, you know, I, everything everything got as much attention as I could give it. And it took a while before I began to really be able to find a way to pay enough attention to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So what I would end up mm-hmm. on Palm Sunday, I mean, there was a set kind of liturgy, the liturgy of the palms, you know, right. usually did at the beginning. And then you go from the prayer of the day, you go right into reading the, the four lessons, and then it's time for a sermon, and you go on with the service. So what I, what happens is by the time you get to sermon time in that tradition, you've read <laughs> six different lessons. And then what happens is if you hadn't thought it through, you look at them and say, hmm. well, which one of these can I say something about? And you've got so much reading you've done. You got maybe five minutes, and so I hope most of y'all have thought ahead a little bit more than that. The way I finally found, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, is there anything in here I can single out that I can preach on? Because Holy Week's coming, and I got to get a Monday, Thursday, and a Good Friday, and an Easter Sunday, and all that. So I'm hoping today this is my is to say, let me just help some folks think it through before they get too far into the week. Yeah. As they're leading in. And so here's the, here's the three options, I think, as you look at these texts. And I'm going to make an assumption that for many of you, there is a setup liturgically that's expected for many of you that you will have read all six of hmm. one form or another. Mm-hmm. You know, you will have a liturgy of the palms to open, you know, start outside or in the pew or wherever you do it, read the Palm Sunday thing in the psalm and sing something like all glory, laud, and honor or something, mm-hmm. and then you end up with, you know, a prayer of the day for that. And then you shift into reading the lessons, usually all four, and then you have a sermon and go on. So assuming yeah. that's set up for most of you. And just to say, the rest of us who don't necessarily have to that. have that, we're going to just go along for the ride here and, and you know, think about it because you'll, you'll cover it. What we need to think about. That's well, what right. I've done is covered the largest possible thing, and you yeah. can figure out where you are in it. Tip. 
So there are three basic options on this day because it's listed as Palm Passion Sunday and all these lessons. Read. One is, and this is one I've begun to favor a great deal, hmm. I'll be honest with you, mm-hmm. is focus on Palm Sunday. Yeah. And leave Monday, Thursday, Good Friday until their turn later in the week. I, I think perhaps uh, we turn Palm Sunday into Palm Passion Sunday out of a kind of awareness that for most of us getting folks to turn out for Monday Thursday and Good Friday is really hard and mm-hmm. and for Easter Vigil even harder. And so we want to make sure they confront the cross so they don't go from triumphal entry <laughs> to resurrection with That's nothing it. in between. So mm-hmm. I get that. But I would rather personally, I think, focus on you can focus on Palm Sunday and then be a encourage as much as you can that people pay attention to Mount Thursday, Good Friday, etc., etc. So that's one option. Focus on Palm Sunday. Second is really focus down hard on Passion Sunday. And basically this ends up being do Holy Week all in one hour. <laughs> right, right. You know, you, you, I mean, that is you start with the entrance and then you read the lessons, and then I would say do the long reading probably with narrators or setups that way, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. just make a big production of it. And if you do any homily at all, maybe a five minute to introduce the narration of the gospel or the whole of the lessons, or a five minute kind of summary, and I'll talk about that, what I might say there, but really let the word do its work and maybe have you know choir doing if they've going to do anything they've already planned it but you know let focus on the narration and the song and do holy week that way yeah no let it flow and the third option is homiletically is do both mm-hmm. That is, read the short gospel and use that Philippians lesson as the frame for a sermon and tie Palm Sunday and Good Friday together through through the use of that text. It said, what are we about today? They, well, they will have heard the short form of the gospel mm-hmm. and you will have had the entrance and then what happened in Holy Week and we come to Friday and then time together. Yeah. Uh, which I think is what I ended up trying to do unconsciously most of the time, not very well. So if you're going to do that, do it intentionally. I think that's the word they like. Be <laughs> yeah. Intentional. yeah. Don't just stumble into it that way as uh, young Delmer did. Yeah. yeah. So do those three options seem to be make sense as to what we're, what we're working with? I think they make a lot of sense, and I think as long as you are aware of the sort of effort and risk quotients that you've got with each of these, and the thing it's going to take, and again, our most, one of our most fundamental things to think about, who are my people in my views, and what do they need to experience and hear this week? Well, Not necessarily which approach am I the most comfortable with, because right. I may need to use an approach that's not as preferred for me, but yet will offer what is the most meaningful to my folks. Well, for example, in my three-point Methodist circuit, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, 
there was no way I could have three Maundy Thursdays, three Good Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> hard enough having three Easter Sundays, you know. Yeah. And and Palm Sunday. So I this is one in which um, I did the long form and a brief homily that kind of introduced Holy Week because I knew this was the only introduction to the Holy Week episodes they were going to get. And I had right. little brief homilies relative right. to the beforehand saying this goes this is the outline of what's happening on thursday mm-hmm. and friday mm-hmm. and you know this and then we read Correct. it and that worked well. uh in other settings where i had large turnouts for thursday and friday in certain settings that was uh yeah not necessary and yeah i just did palm sunday and let the other do its work so i think and what we're saying is I think what we're saying is, which of these is the best approach? The answer is yes. (laughs) All of them, depending on the needs, the constraints, the resources, etc. I think early, one of your first comments you said today is the key. Take Take some time to think about it. Don't just think about this Sunday. Think about your whole Holy Week. Think about everything that's going to happen in the life of your congregation. And and you're still going to have people on Easter Sunday that that's just it. I mean, when we get to talking about Easter Sunday and preaching the resurrection, you still have to take that into account. There yeah. are people that didn't get any of this. But, yeah, think it through. Do the best through. you can to make it possible for people to have yeah. And then this Palm, Palm Passion Sunday, this Sunday becomes... The introduction, the springboard, the background, whatever, to the other things that are going to happen this week. So, uh, my professor at uh, the Lutheran Seminary, Mike Root, who taught systematic theology, since gone on to First Trinity Lutheran in Columbus, Ohio, now at Catholic University in uh, D.C. But Mike was a young person then, and we sometimes he'd talk about, well, I don't know which way to go with this paper said well tell you the truth it's pay your money take your choice (laughs) and that was his way of saying there is no right answer pick one and live with it yeah and i think that's where it comes down to there is no right answer Mm -hmm. uh there isn't but not making a choice is the wrong answer you know (laughs) trying to do everything scattershot as uh, yogi bear famously said when you come to a fork in the road take it yeah don't sit there and try to do all of it so you're saying it would be a good idea to to choose one of these and choose one and leave the others behind this year there you go so i'm going to talk talk a little bit about each of the the texts as we go through and i want to talk about the triumphal entry and this is my as i said at this point in my career my favorite thing is to focus down on palm sunday Mm -hmm. and leave maundy thursday and good friday to their own devices later in the week yep um this, the triumphal entry focuses on praise and hosanna, you know, of this entrance. Um, it's important to note that only John mentions palms. Mm-hmm. So um, just don't worry about it. Now, I mean, we have a blessing of the palms in the Lutheran liturgy for this. I think it's one of those times when we've done homogen, we've homogenized the Gospels for liturgical purposes, and we don't need to yeah. worry about. It. We can't but, we we can't get away this year with calling this branch Sunday. Branch Sunday. You know, Matthew says they cut branches. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, it's bring uh, any branch you want to. Just you know. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's important to know that uh, Matthew builds the story around um, the two animals. You know, two, five, seven, and Zechariah nine, mm-hmm. nine. You know, he builds the colt and the and the 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 ass and the and the, the donkey and the mm-hmm. uh, colt. Mm-hmm. And it's very important for him because this has to do with who he builds around what a triumphal entry for a military messiah would be like. And he plays with it in terms of imitating it, Mm -hmm. but then deconstructing it, if you will, by showing a different way. So first thing to think about here is between 2017, when it says when Jesus went to Jerusalem and before we get to our text, three things happen that are building up the crowd. One is the third prediction of the Passion. This is one of the most public predictions of the Passion. Then you have the sons of Zebedee coming up and wanting to name their place in the coming kingdom. And this is, again, some building up the kingdom's coming and some words Jesus has to say about Oh, uh, you don't know. You don't know what you're asking, kind of thing, you know. And then the third one, he in Jericho, he heals two blind men as he's leaving Jericho, and then he begins the 15 mile uphill trip from Jericho to Jerusalem, which was the traditional route of the a triumphant leader leading into Jerusalem. So Matthew knows what he's doing as he puts these pieces together. I'm not saying they didn't happen, he made them up. I'm saying mm-hmm. the way they're structured in, in chapter 20 is showing he's said, I'm going to my passion. He, right. he you know, I, he's, he has um, defined what it means to be a part of this kingdom with right. John, the sons of Zebedee. And he showed once again that the healing ministry that what he's doing here. And there's the triumphal min- min- entry, but it's turned a bit upside down. Yeah. He has a royal, the messianic king comes in on a royal mount. But it's not a horse, it's not a mule. I mean, let's face careful reading of the Hebrew scriptures show that the king often rode on a mule, which was not a humble mule. It was a, a, mm-hmm. a royal mount because it's more sure-footed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, instead of on something that symbolized power, he rode on a donkey, maybe even colt. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was the least, a humble mount. Instead of a golden saddle, which is <laughs> like a throne, mm-hmm. what does he sit on? cloak just a cloak blanket a burlap sack's what i used to ride mules on <laughs> something thrown over the back and a red carpet well not exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> people's but there is a carpet to ride in on <laughs> it is a triumphal entry but turned upside down yeah now hosanna is interesting two things that are shouted hosanna means save us help us <laughs> you got to help us help, help us. us save us so they're looking at this man who said what he has said and then they know about the healings they've decided he's messiah they're not still not sure what that means <laughs> but they're saying help us and blessed is the one who comes in the name blessed. of the lord this is what you say 
to a military leader coming in to save you from oppression. Mm-hmm. There's still there. There's the mix. Yeah. I think this is this is the piece of Palm focusing on Palm Sunday that you can hint ahead. Mm-hmm. They're excited. There's Hosanna. There's excitement. The Messiah's here, but they're not sure who he is. Yeah, don't know yeah. what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And when they so, the line I like the best in here is about the turmoil. Yeah, everybody's upset. It comes the same word from that root as earthquake, hmm. and it means he shook things up. Everybody is shaking. Uh, Paul Tillich's famous book of sermons, The Shaking of the Foundations. Jesus' mm-hmm. entry shook the foundations, and it begins here yep. and comes on Good Friday. The foundations are shook. But they're not quite sure who it is because when it says, who is this? Nobody says, well, it's the, they don't say it's the Messiah or it's the mm-hmm. son of David. They say it's the prophet. From Nazareth. Up yonder in uh, Galilee. This fellow done been prophesying up there and preaching around, and now here he is. All Jerusalem knew he was there. But what was he there for? Well, Matthew'd been trying to tell us that third Mm -hmm. prediction. Mm -hmm. That that I want to come at when you come into your kingdom, let me put on the right and left hand. Even his mm-hmm. disciples, closest mm-hmm. disciples, weren't clear. Yeah. That's it. They're not That's sure it. why he's there. So I I think this homily sort of leads to a kind of open ended question. This is what I like about preaching focusing on Palm Sunday is leaving it open ended and leaving people to meditate on Holy Week without overdoing telling them what Holy Week is about. Yes, this is this is the service that is setting the tone, preparing the way, just like what this entry does. And what a fantastic lead-in it is to, with the text and with the writer, turn the question over to each of us. Who is this? This week, particularly, we are considered who is this? Or, if you're preaching in Louisiana, who dat? Right? <laughs> who, who, who dat riding in on this, uh, on this donkey? Mm-hmm. And rhetorical questions are, you know, oftentimes shouldn't be used, except at the end, when you want to leave it with people to carry it to the future. Yeah. So, que- questions should be used quite sparingly throughout sermons, generally speaking, except... When you have that very well-defined purpose for that question. And this is a great one. And it's, so as we wait for Jesus to come, would we Mm -hmm. be happy for Jesus to shake up our lives? If we don't know what that shaking up, that Mm -hmm. turmoil that he, Jesus would create for us might be. Yeah. Do we, are we looking for someone to come and confirm us in our lifestyle and our prejudices? Or are we ready to be shook up? Hmm. Uh, how would we receive Jesus today? Would we initially receive him excitedly until we found out hmm. 
what a prophetic presence at the center of our power and influence, like Jerusalem was the center of power and influence. Well, what if we're the ones with power and influence? Are we ready when we find out what he's really about? He's been telling us, but we haven't been listening. But when we confront what he's really about, Mm. when he says, will you follow me to the cross? Mm. Where are we going to be? Yeah. And then leave. A lot to work with there. And if you're comfortable with that approach, I think it's highly effective. And that that's going to be my approach. I'm in a place where this is going to work well. I'm going to have a fairly decent attendance. Uh, Monday, Thursday, certainly. Good Friday, maybe not quite so much. But I'm, I'm going to have people who are going to... Yeah. You know, participate in the in the program, as it were. So this makes a good approach for me. And if if it, again you're thinking about your congregation, um, and and even if you're not going to see them till next Sunday, it 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 still is a good way to leave them with that question: Who is this? And and we've all got to wrestle with that. Am am I going to be in the crowd going, "Who's this? What a rinky dink parade!" <laughs> you know, there were there were people like that too. One suggestion is to, for me, for those of us who have this kind of structured liturgical form, is to violate it. And after the you read, do the triumphal entry, mm-hmm. you know, and you have the prayer of the day, and it's supposed to lead into start reading Isaiah and Psalm thirty-one, you know, and all mm-hmm. of that. Instead, preach at that point on the triumphal entry the palm mm-hmm. sunday text take some meditation time then read the appointed text down through what the passion and mm-hmm. in, then shift into the creed prayer. yeah uh, just don't 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 read the try the, the triumphal right. entry then mm-hmm. read all this uh, the passion then try to preach right. back on, right. on palm sunday. go ahead and preach you can move the sermon to a different place and comment on the Palm Sunday text before you shift to the rest of the service. So you are advocating the possibility of an E.E. E. Cummings or similar kind of writer approach, a person who often violates the rules, but it's only because they know the rules so well and, <laughs> Pretty much. Do, and do so with uh, intent and purpose. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So... The second option I talked about was Passion Sunday. Focusing down on Passion Sunday. Go ahead and do the the triumphal entry in an appropriate way and it's an entrance right and and then read the you know, do the liturgy and the prayer of the day and then you come and then you read the text. But what I would suggest is before you read these texts mm-hmm. this is one that uses the long form is um have a few brief narration that says what we're going to do now is we're going to read Hebrew scripture and we're going to read it Christianly and yes. we're going to hear the servants, one of the servant songs and we're going to think about how it comments on the life and death of Jesus this week. we're going to read a psalm a lament of suffering you know brief few words about it and, and we're going to think about it. What, this is who. How would Jesus pray this psalm this week yeah. as he goes through his? Life? Yeah, yeah. We're going to read Philippians, and we're going to think about how the early church, as it looked at the life of Christ and what they knew of him, and an early 
early form, before the creeds, before before record, you know, they had written these things down. This is a pre-Pauline hymn in which they tried to define what it meant for Jesus, the Christ, to leave heaven and come to earth, right? Be amongst us, and then we're going to read the long, the passion. We're going to read the long form. We're going to have various people read it. And what I want us to do, I'd invite you to do, not want us to do. What I invite you to do, something along those lines, is walk with us through Jesus last week today. Hmm. And then you do it. And one of Craddock's words here in his uh, preaching commentary are very important. One of the things to avoid as you read all through all of this is the preacher needs to avoid the temptation to talk too much. Absolutely. Once you've done the setup, once you've set the tone, let the text carry the load. Avoid the temptation to moralize, to exhort, or to grow sentimental. Don't don't fuzz things up. Just let the text do its work and trust people to listen and get into the story because it's a powerful story. That's it. So what I want to have a brief word about each of the four texts that we would read. Just a, a note, mm-hmm. Isaiah 50, 4 through 9. If you need to look at something, look at what the servant songs and in its original context, this, this chapter and the servant songs were either about Israel itself and an interpretation of their suffering and in exile, et cetera, or of a particular mm-hmm. the prophet, uh, a prophet and their suffering for the word. But we are not reading these things in that context today. Not today. Correct. We are reading yeah. them, as it says, we would say Christianly, as an interpretation, a reflection on the life and death of Jesus. As long as we're aware, it wasn't, I would say, not originally written about Jesus. <laughs> it's okay for us to look at it and say, Jesus is the suffering servant of God. And to, this is what Jesus went through this week. To, yes, to look back at this text and understand. It's part of our answering the question, who is this? Yeah. And for the church, it's part of answering that question. So, same, yes, I, I, I'm with you same there. Same thing works with using uh, Psalm 31, 9 through 16. This is a, a, a lament of, about a lament for suffering. And so verses 9 through 13, you kind of got this personal suffering, both physical and kind of um, ostracism because of it, mm. you know. And so you start thinking, well, as you read it this day, we look forward to what we already know happens to Jesus and say, oh, this is how Jesus would have prayed this. And then mm. 14 yeah. and 15 comes to, in the midst of this suffering and ostracizing, I trust God. I trust you, O oh God. And then there's a final plea, and it reminds us of those words of, not my will, but thine be done. You know, but Lord, let this cup pass from me. You know, all those mm-hmm. things that, yeah. that come up this week. That yeah. plea. And this is also a great moment to this text, particularly those final uh, verses can really help people get their minds around the term Hosanna. Yeah. 
because it's often confused with the term of praise. Oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. When it's really this plea for help, it, it's, it really comes out of the understanding of our deep need. And so uh, maybe a point here is say, this is Hosanna right here. This is it. I, I, there's terror all around. You are my God. You will deliver me from the hand of my enemies. It'll happen in your time. I, 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 I need Jesus. You. The, the mm-hmm. psalmist, and we could say Jesus prays in the, Jesus in the, in the, in the garden prays, save mm-hmm. me. Yeah. He does say, Hosanna, save mm-hmm. me. Let it pass yeah. if it can. So then, of right. course, we already talked about Philippians and the pre-Pauline hymn and, and how it's trying to mm-hmm. reflect on that, yeah. reflects on the life. Then you get to this long gospel, and it has basically five mm. things it touches. And in the, what little intro you do, if you if you do the long one and you want to just do the long homily, you might say, just watch for we start with the treachery of Judas, and then we... We have the Last Supper, and pay attention to what goes on at that meal with the disciples. And then you have the time in the garden and the arrest. And then we come to the trials of Jesus. Mm. And then we find ourselves at the crucifixion and the death at the burial. And it moves from where the plot begins to where it ends up as we move right. Oh, what what's going on? What did Judas do? Well, why are we having this meal? What's he talking about? This is my body. This is my blood. No, it's not. It's bread. And what's he talking about? <laughs> and then yeah. he's praying, and they're falling asleep. And what's what's this cup he wants to pass? Oh my God! They're arresting him. Well. <sighs> Come on, you can appeal this to the Supreme Court. They're they're doing everything wrong. Procedure is all backwards. Yeah, this can't yeah. be happening. What? Let's interrupt this. They're they're killing him. What? And then nobody's there, and the burial, and dark, fade to black. Powerful. As I said, Craddock. Avoid temptation to moralize, exhort, or grow sentimental. Let the text do its work and leave it open-ended for people to contemplate through the week. That's it. That's then it. the third option is, as I said, is play around with both and uh, very clearly both and focus a sermon down on Philippians. I would say do the liturgy of the palms, read the text, read the short gospel, and then use Philippians as a frame for saying, how do we get from mm-hmm. here to there? How do we get with all this triumphal entry to nobody at the cross? But his mom and his best friend. You know, you can talk about that. And and, uh, and you can talk about exp- he didn't cling to who he could have been. And you can talk about right. some of that. You know, as he gave, you can watch him through this gospel lesson give up. Mm-hmm. What power he could have used, he let. He didn't exploit it. He let go of it. He didn't mm-hmm. cling to it. He emptied himself of everything. And that that phrase is important, I yeah. think, because some people hear that and say, "You mean Jesus gave up?" Not, 
not he gave up in terms of I can and yeah, there's nothing I can do. I, uh, this they're too strong. Oh, I couldn't get the kingdom. I want no. It's not a, a a giving up or a resigning in that way. It's a whole different idea of giving up, letting go, emptying, because that's the way through. That's the way he could have. Hours. He would okay. have lost. He could have won, but by that he would have totally lost. Win the battle, lose the war kind of well, idea. If he, if he had pulled all the power that he had and, and whooped these folks, the devil would have won because violence <laughs> and death would have been shown. Might makes right would have shown itself to be the way the universe works. And Jesus stood right. there and, and let go of his ability he could have had. God lets go of controlling us mm-hmm. and says no love will win that's what that's embracing the cross is letting love win yeah. uh, it's one thing to suffer when you can't oppose mm-hmm. it's another thing to suffer because you don't want to injure the persecutor mm-hmm. and uh this is this is where we're going with it. this. This is this. How did we get from this triumphal entry when he could have rallied all these people? Just humanly, he could have had a possibility, but he'd have got all those folks killed. A lot of those folks killed. He could have called down angels, as the devil had said in the temptation. I mean, all of this mm-hmm. is contained in that emptied himself, and it's that. What does it mean for me to be the Christ, the Messiah? It means God letting go and dying on our behalf. Because otherwise, hate, death, destruction wins. Another great opportunity, as you just did, almost, you let us overhear it. You just uh, sort of uh, referred to it, alluded to it. This is the capstone to the temptation yep. story with which we started Lent. Yep. Uh, and there were those temptations then. That Jesus, One of the things we said back on the first Sunday in Lent, Jesus learns a lot through that temptation process. And here is where it plays out. There, there haven't been any shortcuts. And even at this point, there are no shortcuts. There's no calling the angels down. There's no manifesting, quote, the power of God and... You know, wiping out Rome. No, we're going to carry it through. And he is emptying himself of those other choices, letting them go. Yeah. Powerful. Overall, Palm Sunday is one of those Sundays that you really want to let the text do their work. You want to help them do their work, but you don't want to get in the way. And it's one of those times when less is really more. And you need Mm. to, to trim as much as you can and... And trust, mm-hmm. literally, literally trust mm-hmm. the word to do yeah. its work. So I should put back on the shelf my working manuscript, the exegesis of the cruciform Savior as appearing in the four Gospels, <laughs> Synoptic and Johannine, etc., etc. Pretty much. 
Yeah, there was uh, one Sunday, one, one time at Duke in preaching class. I don't know what happened to this good old boy. He was uh, he was thought very highly of himself intellectually in uh, his preaching intro preaching class, and he preached a sermon called Concentric Circles of Christological Understanding Eschatologically Considered. And uh, preaching professor said, uh, exactly what audience did you have in mind for that? And he said, well, you know... Uh, Upper middle class, well educated congregations where I see my best options for ministry. And uh, the professor, well, you know, I have a PhD in systematic theology from this very institution. I don't have the foggiest idea what you were talking about. <laughs> I ain't got a clue, Bubba. Come back with try it. Try that one more uh, time with, uh, on our rest of well, this level. Yeah, well, and then you compare that to your other preaching class experience with the good old boy that said, I'll just rear it back and grab me a handful of Isaiah and have at it. So uh, somewhere in between and betwixt all of that, uh, we find it. Thank you, Bob. I've enjoyed it as always. And we'll be back next week. We'll be, of course, talking about uh, having enough gas left in your tank to proclaim the resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. So uh, awfully good. Well, I reckon there's not much left for us to do today other than to tell everybody bye. Everybody bye. Lectionary Lab Live is a Two Bubbas and a Bible production. Our opening theme is Next Steps, performed by Hive.com. We go out today with All Shook Up, written by Otis Blackwell and Elvis Presley, performed by The King. Well, my hands are shaking and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand on my own two feet. Who do you think of when you have such luck? I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Well, please don't ask me what's on my mind. I'm a little mixed up, but I feel fine. When I'm near the girl that I love best, my heart beats so it scares me to death when she touches my hand. What a chill I got. Her lips are like a volcano that's hot I'm proud to say that she's my buttercup I'm in love I'm all shook up My tongue gets tired when I try to speak My insides shake like a leaf on a tree There's only one cure for this body of mine That's to have that girl and a love so fine She touched my hand and what a chill I got Her lips are like a volcano that's hot I'm proud to say that she's my buttercup I'm in love, I'm all shook up I'm all shook up.